Another great thing that we do in the services is we get the opportunity to meet someone, and we're going to meet a, uh, someone this evening. Jess, can I invite you? Oh, you're here. Great. <laughs> Up to the front. This uh, is Jess. So we're just going to spend a few minutes just getting to know Jess. Hi, Jess. Is Jess on? Hello. 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 <laughs> Jess is on. Welcome. Thank you. Great to see you. So, let's find out a little bit about you. Let's start with your, uh, what you do for a living. What, what is your job occupation? Yep. So, uh, normally I work at Windsor Castle. Um, it's not as glamorous as it sounds. Um, I'm a warden, so I look after um, all the visitors that come and help them to have a really nice time. And I've been there for about eight years, but obviously um, all the kind of COVID and lockdown has um, had a bit of an impact. So we're not, um, so each lockdown we've been, we've been closed. So I've not been at work since mid-December, which is quite a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all dying to know, have you ever met Her Majesty? I have, yeah. You so have. We, we normally have a nice Christmas party and a few other events throughout the year. So, oh, well, um, well, at yeah. her house? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> If there's ever a spare invitation, <laughs> <laughs> my postal code caliber is second to none. Um, Brilliant. More to the point, let's find out um, what are some of your interests outside of work? So um, I suppose it's you know, what we've all been um, hoping to kind of get back to is seeing friends and um, you know, going on days out and things like that. So yeah, just, just the usual really. I really miss kind of going swimming, um, singing in, in choir and stuff. Um, yeah, other than that, just, just, just the usual stuff, really. <laughs> that's great, that's great. And if you're ever getting to know someone yourself, it's worth asking about their interests first rather than their occupations. Some people don't have <laughs> such interesting occupations yeah. as, as just... And some uh, people might not have very interesting interests. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But let's think about where our real identity is, and that is in Jesus. Uh, so tell us a bit about your faith. Why is Jesus so important to you? So um, I suppose it's quite similar to quite a few of us. I, I um, came to St. Mary's when I was uh, very little. I came to Holiday Club. Um, and it was kind of, I suppose, a gradual thing coming to faith. It wasn't kind of a lightning bolt moment like um, many people have kind of experienced. Um, it was, yeah, gradually learning um, about Jesus and, and how it's really important to, to live your lives for him. I remember um, hearing, I think it was a weekend away um, or something, um, when they were talking about how there was really two ways to live. There was no kind of sitting on the fence. Um, and that, yeah, that kind of really black and white way of illustrating it really made me think, yeah, actually, you've really got to respond mm. and, and kind of make, make that decision is the wrong word, but, yeah, make, make that choice of, of how to live your life. Um, so, yeah, I, I um, went to uni, um, got jobs, uh, moved away from the area, but um, kind of tried to come back to um, St. Mary's for, for the evening services and things, um, but working quite a lot of Sundays. So we normally have to work one in three weekends, so it's a bit rubbish trying to Zoom back for... Um, um, for yeah, well, it's a bit rubbish trying to work Sundays to start with, really, mm. but kind of Zooming back to, to church. So I started going to another church called St. Mary's um, in Maidenhead. I mean, it's so similar to here, so it's, it's been really great, especially... You know, with uh, so much being online and on Zoom, kind of going to to both, um, it's been yeah, it's been a, a really great blessing. Um, yeah, and um, I suppose how um, Jesus is important um, in our lives um, in yeah, in so many ways. You know, look at um, 
particularly in uh, Philippians. So our um, church um, in Maidenhead have been um, in their in our small groups have been looking at uh, Philippians and thinking about how Paul was, um, you know, writing all these things about having uh, comfort in, in Jesus and rejoicing in Him when actually he was in prison um, was really yeah really striking. Um, and particularly um, Philippians four six and seven, you know, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. Um, so yeah, it's such a, an amazing verse, and it doesn't mean kind of all our worries and all our anxieties will go away, but we can face them with God's peace, um, knowing um, all that Jesus went through uh, before us. Um, and yeah, I found that particularly you know during all this it's a difficult time. Um, such a such a comfort um, knowing that we can take it all to God in prayer you know if you've got anxious thoughts all the things that we held kind of our security on before all of this have all kind of fallen away that actually um, you know what is secure what is certain is our hope in Christ Mm. amen yeah thank you thank you for those encouraging words Um, it's great to have those parts of scripture written on our hearts for those times when we really need to yeah. Trusting like the, God. Like the sort of verse we badly, exactly. well, I badly did earlier. <laughs> there's method, but there's method behind yeah. all of this. No, it's fantastic. Uh, can I pray for you before uh, Definitely. we finish? Uh, Lord, we thank you for Jess, and we thank you so much for the work that you've given her to do. Uh, we thank you for the gift of faith in her life, and we thank you for reminding her of those encouraging words uh, from Philippians and throughout Scripture. Uh, We pray for her. Please help her with her work and help her to have a good work-life balance with church and uh, and her occupation. And and Lord, we just pray that uh, you'll bless her in the week ahead. In your name, amen. The reading this evening starts from Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who you brought up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for your people, whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of you. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent did he bring them out, to kill them in the mountains and consume them from the face of the earth? 
Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars in the heaven and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. And now continuing from Exodus 33, verse 17. And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favour in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and we will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. The Lord said to Moses, Cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Be ready by the morning, and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai, and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you, and let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. Let no flocks or herds graze opposite that mountain. So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first. And he rose early in the morning and went up to Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand two tablets of stone. The Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will be by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Thank you, our Father, that you make yourself known. Thank you, Father, that you revealed yourself to Moses and to your people and to us. And we pray that as we see more of who you are this evening, that you would help us to rejoice in who you are. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if you've ever really messed up I wonder if you've messed up big time. I've messed up big time lots of times. Uh, But one time I remember that I messed up was when I was back at school. Uh, It was year 10, year 11, something like that. And um, we decided to misuse some of the fire extinguishers. Now, I'm going to tell you this story with a bit of a health warning. Don't copy what I did. Don't try this at home or school, uh, for that matter. But one of my friends uh, withdrew the pin in one of the fire extinguishers. And uh, we thought, well, that's a bit risky. But uh, no one seemed to say anything. As a couple of days later, one of my friends kind of did a fake fall on the fire extinguisher and um, kind of set it off. And then, you know how it goes, someone did a bit more and a bit more. And two weeks later, we were having full-on water fights in the corridor. Don't laugh, it's terrible, and I feel really bad. Uh, But um, we thought we got away with it. And I remember we came to one PE lesson, and the teacher I was, you know, pretty fond of said to us, no PE today, go in the change of rooms, don't bother getting changed. And we were all speculating, thinking, what's going to happen? I mean, have we got some special thing? Is he going to treat us to some game? 
But then he came in with empty fire extinguishers, threw them down on the floor, and said, I want names of who's done this. And I don't know if you ever get this. Perhaps you've never messed up. I've got lots of stories. But you get that kind of gut-wrenching guilt uh, in the pit of your stomach. You know you've been found out. You know you've messed up. And you know you've not got a leg to stand on. I wonder if you've ever had that with the Lord, though. You've said something you shouldn't have said. You've done something you shouldn't have done. You've watched something you shouldn't have watched. And you get that sinking feeling in your stomach. And you wonder... What does the Lord think of me? Now I've messed up. Well, there's something of that in our passage this evening, because in our passage, Israel mess up big time. How do they mess up? Well, we see uh, that um, they build a golden calf. But before we get there, let's do a recap of where we've been. Now, I know we're, we're almost at the end, so actually we've got a lot of objects, so I'm going to do it as quickly as possible. So you, you with me on this? Shout out as quickly as possible. I'm going to go turbo mode. It was probably not going to work because I can't see this. Okay, here we go. What have we got? Yeah, they were in slavery. And then, Bush, you're ahead of me. And then, staff. What for? Yeah, very good. Okay, and then, oh, no, 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 oh, hang on. Thank you. Uh, and then, and then, Covenants made, and then, and I missed one, didn't I? Yeah. Dividing the sea. Yes, thank you. Um, so uh, I hope that that probably confused everyone because <laughs> the dividing the sea happens after tabernacle. No, it doesn't. Um, but uh, this week we get to. Um, so it's a real high point. Uh, we saw last week that the tabernacle is where God uh, dwells with his people. It's the real climax of what we've been looking forward to. But actually, we see that Israel really mess up. Uh, we're also going to see, though, that Moses really steps up and that God really makes up. First of all, though, Israel really mess up. How do they mess up? Well, they make a golden calf. Now, I don't know what sort of image comes into your head when we talk about a golden calf. For me, I kind of think of it a bit like this painting. The trouble is, though, this painting makes it look too much fun. They're having a bit of a party around this golden calf. But I know I came across this painting from about 50 years ago, which makes it look a bit more uh, grotesque. And it is meant to be a complete horror show. Just read what they did uh, in chapter 32, verse 4. Aaron received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar to it before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Now, when it says they rose up to play, that doesn't mean going out and kicking a football. It's got kind of sexual overtones. It's a kind of 18 certificate type of um, image here. And notice that we're told that they ate and drank with this calf. Now, that's tragic because 
Remember a couple of chapters ago, the people, or the representatives of the people, ate and drank with God himself on the mountain. And now they're doing it with this calf. It's a complete horror story. They've completely messed up. But why are they doing it? Why build this calf? Well, look at what they say in the beginning of chapter 32. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said, up, make us gods who shall go before us. Do you notice why they do this calf? It's not that they're particularly into uh, calves and want to, to make one for the sake of it. It's because they're impatient at Aaron not coming down the mountain. Now, this is hugely tragic because Aaron is on the mountain getting the instructions for the tabernacle, the very way God is going to be with his people. But they want to have God on their terms. And so they, they kind of trick or, or persuade Aaron into making this idol. And it's awful because Aaron says this. He made a proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. It's interesting that, isn't it? Because look at what Aaron calls the calf. He calls the calf the Lord. See, idolatry, or, or making an idol here, isn't just kind of replacing God for a model or a calf. It's kind of making a hybrid God. See, it's every time the people think that God doesn't do um, things as they would want, that they make this kind of idol. It's a bit like this. It's a bit like, um, I guess uh, all of us have had one of these when we've been children. Is that right? I, I still love playing with it. Uh, but the idea is that um, you kind of can play around with uh, the potato head and, uh, and pop different bits in different places. So uh, this is a pretty conventional uh, model of uh, Mr. Potato Head, but you can take his hat and you can stick it on his legs, you can take his arm uh, and stick it in his head, you can take his ear uh, and stick it in the back of his head. You get the picture, don't you? And actually, it's pretty fun doing it with a potato. I mean, it's not that much fun, but it's pretty fun. But actually, that is what these people are doing with God himself. See, they don't trust God on the basis of what he says. Instead, they twist God like the potato head to make a potato head God or a golden calf. And actually, when you see it like that, you see that actually lots of us, all of us, in fact, fall into the same trap. See, of course, we don't have a golden calf in the middle of festival place, do we? I mean, that's not going to be very likely. But we do distort God. We do say things like, I wish God was like this, or I really hope God isn't like this when he says he is. How many of us have found ourselves saying, well, I know Jesus says that, but actually I like to think this. Jesus says he's the only way, the truth and the life, but surely there's lots of different ways. Or Jesus talks about uh, being sexually uh, moral and listening to God's pattern for relationships, but we think actually what I do with my girlfriend or boyfriend doesn't matter. See, all of us do the same thing as Israel do. We get the potato head and we start distorting what God really says. 
And so we end up not with a golden calf, but a kind of potato head version of God himself. Now, what's the outcome for all this? Well, secondly, we hear Moses step up. See, why does this matter so much? Well, remember what we saw a couple of weeks ago. Um, What did we see? We saw that God made a covenant with Israel, uh, one of these. And remember, I chucked the blood over the altar and over the people to symbolize how important this covenant was. And a covenant is a bit like um, a really serious uh, document. Uh, I've got here my marriage certificate. And... um, It says here, uh, Robert Phillips, uh, Claire Elizabeth King, uh, and uh, it was in 2007, and it, it, it records for us the fact that we are married. And it's like that with Israel and God. They've thrown blood over the altar, thrown blood over the people to show that this contract stands. And if someone breaks it, their blood will be demanded. And it's like God takes that contract and he rips it at that point. Now, maybe you think that's a bit harsh, but, but actually, don't tell my wife, by the way, uh, maybe you think that's a bit harsh, but actually, God is perfectly in his rights to do that. See, look at what he says in chapter 32, verse 10, now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of you. See, if we ever think that making an idol or twisting the way God is, is, isn't a big deal. Well, this reminds us, it really is. And God says to Moses, I will make a great nation of you. It's like God saying, I'm going to reboot the system. You're going to be the new Abraham. I'm going to start all over again with you. And I guess it must have been tempting for Moses, knowing what the people are like, to say, yes. But actually, Moses does something remarkable at this point. See, Moses steps in. See, look at what happens. Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people have sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now, if you forgive their sin, but if not, please block me out of your book that you have written. This is remarkable, isn't it? Remember what Moses was like right at the beginning, chapter 3, when we saw him by the burning bush. He was using every excuse to get out of his responsibility. But this is Moses, a changed man. This is Moses stepping in for his people. And when he says, block me out of your book, he means end my life. Let me die so that the people won't. See, when we mess up before the Lord, I wonder what it is we say. See, if our answer is, actually, it wasn't that bad, or actually, we're not that bad, well, then we need to think again. Because Moses says none of that, does he? Moses says, your people have broken your covenant. They have made gods of gold. They are fully guilty. They stand in a dock accused. But Moses says, take me instead. But actually, thirdly and finally, we see that it's not Moses that means the people are forgiven. See, um, God redoes the covenant in chapter 34. Look at this. The Lord said to Moses, cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and I will write on the tablets the words 
that were on the first tablets, which you broke. See, it's like my marriage certificate. God takes it, and um, I mean, there's not much I can do with that. But, but here's another one. And he rewrites the marriage certificate. You can tell my wife it, it was, yeah, wasn't the real one. Uh, <laughs> but the covenant is back on. But actually, there's some differences with this covenant. See, notice who's there when it's made. See, first of all, it was the people, wasn't it? And they said, we're going to obey everything the Lord commands, and we're going to do it. But actually, now it's just Moses and God. And something else happens. There's this show of God's glory. Now, we haven't got time to go into that now. Do ask me in the questions. But God puts Moses in a cave. He covers the cave over. And he passes by him. And look what he says as he passes by. The Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, say along with me, why don't uh, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. See, we know it well, don't we? But here we see it demonstrated. The people are completely guilty. They've exchanged God for an idol, but God forgives them. But actually, uh, we haven't quite said that whole verse. Now, we wanted to sort of focus on the first bit because uh, that is the bit that God emphasizes here. But actually, he goes on to say, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation? Now, it's not bad news. God is forgiving. He forgives a thousand generations. But there's still this question about how sin is going to be dealt with. And when Moses offers his own life, actually God says, no, I'm going to bring the sin on who's guilty. Now, why does God do that? Well, because he's getting us ready to see the greater Moses. See, you and me are in a far better position because we have the Lord Jesus, who is the better and greater Moses. See, the Lord Jesus steps in to intercede for his people. Remember, as he was being crucified, as he had nails driven into his arms, what was he praying? Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. And as Jesus died, he was blotted out of God's book. The cloud of God's judgment hovered over him. He prayed, Father, um, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, he is the greater Moses who died so that you and me needn't face the consequences of forsaking God. See, you and me need not face the punishment for creating idols of God, for distorting what he's like. See, what do you say to yourself when you mess up? Uh, remember my fire uh, um, uh, uh, extinguisher incident. I had nothing to say. I was banged to rights. But my parents just offered to pay uh, for the replacements. Now, my parents didn't have much money at that time. I had zero money. But they just stepped in and paid for them. And of course, that's nothing compared to what Jesus does for us. He steps in like Moses is blotted out of God's book 
so that you and me may be with him, even though we have sinned. Let's pray. The Lord, the Lord, a God gracious and compassionate. Our Father, we pray that you would give us an increasing sense of who you are. Please, Father, help us not to look to ourselves and the great many sins we commit day by day. But help us, Father, to have our eyes set on the Lord Jesus, the one who stepped in for us to forgive us. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's good to start with the easy ones. Uh, Thank you for sending in that question, and uh, thank you for those who voted for it. Um, No, but it's a great question. So, yeah, it does seem that God changes his mind uh, in um, uh, uh, verse 10. He says, uh, my wrath will burn against him. I'm going to make a great nation of you. Moses steps in and God um, relents from his anger, verse 14. And um, some people, uh, there's um, a group of people called kind of open theists, which, um, you know, theists kind of meaning God. Uh, that type of idea. The idea that God doesn't kind of know the future and um, God's kind of working it out as he goes along. And they point to passages like this to say, ha, look, God's changing his mind. He doesn't really know the future. Um, If you hear that kind of idea, you do need to kind of, um, you know, blow a raspberry or whatever because uh, it's not helpful at all uh, because actually um, God does know the future and wonderfully he does because that means he knows how to Uh, rescue us from sin. Uh, But that said, um, it's not like, uh, so yeah, on one hand, it's not like God is caught out by Moses, that his heart is dead set on destroying the people. Actually, God has been growing Moses over all these chapters so that he will step in for his people. Actually, God brings about all these events to form Moses to this man that he is now where he steps in for his people. And actually, obviously, that's pointing forward uh, to the Lord Jesus. So no, God doesn't kind of change his mind as in, um, yes, in one sense, he knows the whole of history. But actually, this is a wonderful moment, and we shouldn't lose that. We shouldn't kind of just round off the sharp edge by saying, well, God knew that anyway, because actually Moses does something wonderful that's prefiguring the Lord Jesus. Can the people hear me? Oh, there we go. Okay. Um, when God threatened to destroy Israel, was it a test for Moses, or was he actually breaking his contract? Uh, oh, yeah. So kind of related. Um, yes, uh, I think the contract was broken. Uh, Moses throws the tablets on the floor. They break. Uh, so just like I ripped up that contract. Um, but also, it, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say it was a test for Moses, but... It was the chance for Moses to step in and um, uh, um, to mediate for his people. It's worth saying, though, it's not just that Moses does this. It's not like um, Moses... uh, See, yeah, if you mess up with a friend and you really mess up with them, you might beg to be taken back by your friend, but they're not under any obligation to take you back. And Moses intercedes for his people, but God's not under any obligation to do so, uh, to take his people back. 
but actually we see that he is merciful and gracious. And so, yes, it's Moses turning, uh, stepping in for his people, but actually God showing grace and mercy as well. Question. Is nice, it a easy one, sin, hopefully. Uh, a little bit. <laughs> is it a sin to want God to be different if it doesn't affect the way you live? Uh, yes, yeah, so um, let, me, yeah, let me take the end of that question first. It will affect the way you live. So the way um, we're put together is that we worship. Uh, it's what we're made to do. Um, and so when God makes Adam and Eve, he brings them in the garden to be in his presence, and, and they worship God. And actually in Exodus, that's what he's trying to get them back to do in the tabernacle. And God knows that actually um, idolatry is really not just bad because it dishonors God, but it, it also um, dishonors his people. Um, you see that they kind of erupt into this mad party uh, that isn't much fun. And so, yeah, don't, yeah, don't ever think... Um, I can distort God over here, I can move an ear here or an arm there, uh, and it won't have an effect on my life. It will. And um, you might remember the psalm that talks about we become what we worship. We become like the God we worship. What was the first part of the question again? Is it a sin to want God to be different if it doesn't affect the way you live? Um, yeah, so it does affect the way you live. And I think it's, it becomes a sin when we... Um, we may wish God to take different action, and that's, that's not a bad thing. We see that in the Psalms. Uh, but, yeah, when we try to twist God to meet our ends, that is a sin. When we say, God, you possibly can't mean that, or when we read a bit of our Bible and think, no, that can't be true, that is a sin. But here's the thing, that's not there to kind of condemn us and think, right, that's it, we'll be on the pale. Uh, Jesus came precisely to die for that sort of sin, um, there's a book called Romans in the New Testament, and it talks about the whole of humanity. And it says that all of us have committed idolatry. All of us have worshipped the creation rather than the creator. And it's precisely people like that, people like me, people like you, who Jesus came to die for and to forgive. Thank you. Two seconds, I think. Yeah, that's it. Um, Pippa's going to come and pray for us. Thanks, everyone, for questions.